Have you ever wondered what makes a person great at something? You know what's true, and that is that very few of us discover this greatness on our own. Almost all the time we are taught by someone else. Why would we reinvent the wheel when it's already been invented? Why not instead improve upon that wheel? One of the greatest keys in life is finding people that have already been successful at things and are willing to teach us. That is going to be the subject that we're going to look at today on episode six of the Audacious Faith Podcast. Ask yourself this question. What have you learned and learned to do well that wasn't taught to you by someone else? Even the most basic things that we rarely even think about, they just come by habit, are things that we've learned from others. For instance, our actions, how we speak, how we talk. You didn't know how to talk when you were first born. You learned by watching your parents, listening to your parents. Everything that we have learned has been by imitation. And how much greater is it when there's somebody who takes the time, takes the interest to actually build into our lives, give us the skills that they've already learned, and make sure as their own personal mission that they help us to be the best that we can be. That's going to be the subject of what we're going to talk about today. And my guest is someone who I appreciate very much as an individual who is very good at doing that. He's very good at taking people and pouring his life into theirs. In fact, it's a passion of his. I've known him for several years. He's a pastor at Faith Fellowship, uh, not too far from where I'm at here in El Monte. You're actually in La Palma. La, La Palma, that's right. I get La Palma and La Habra confused <laughs> sometimes. So okay. if you're from La Palma, I do apologize for that. Um, and he's also worked with students for years. Uh, he's got uh, just a whole bunch of background and, and is a great personal friend. So that's Pastor Abel Galvan, and I appreciate you coming and joining us on the podcast today. Thanks, Jay. I'm glad to be here with you. Awesome. So let's go ahead and start right off the bat. And I know you, obviously, but other people don't. So go ahead and give us a little background, kind of your upbringing, how you ended up in ministry, and how this became a passion for you. Okay. Well, I grew up not far from here in La Puente, California. And I actually attended church in El Monte when I was a teenager. But when I was growing up, I didn't grow up in the church. Um, Let me kind of rewind that. I did grow up in the church, in the Catholic church, But um, that really never had an impact in my life until I was a teenager going to actual church. Um, When I was 13 years old, Mm -hmm. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Another 13-year-old was sharing his faith with me, and Mm -hmm. I became saved through that. And so I became the first Christian in my family, and uh, hopefully I was able to to, uh, be a good example and, and share the message of Christ with them. So, yeah. so well, you just brought up something that I actually forgot. I remember you telling me this before, mm-hmm. I think in the past, a year ago, I think when we talked. But okay. it was another 13-year-old. Yeah. Okay, it was who shared with you. That's probably a story that people wouldn't expect. Right. Um, his name is Benjamin Acero, and mm-hmm. uh, we grew up together. We went mm-hmm. to elementary school, um, uh, middle school, eventually high school, and he was after me, hey, you should come to church, come to church. And I was like, no, nah, I don't really want to go to church. Right. I've already been to church. I don't want to 
I wasn't interested in God at that time. Mm-hmm. But he kept after me and he invited me to this event they were having at the church. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the people. And uh, so I, I started going just mainly out of curiosity. Another reason there were uh, nice people. And honestly, there were cute girls at that church at that time. That's, so. that's a big <laughs> so, prerequisite. Yeah, right? you know, so, something's got to draw you. Exactly, exactly. So in this area of discipleship, mentorship, I mean, people call it both things. Right. So that when I asked you basically, hey, what is the subject that you're passionate about? Mm-hmm. This is the one that you came back with. Right. So, so why is that a passion for you? Um, I think it's a passion for me because as a teenager, giving my life to Jesus Christ, having no influence around me in my home or in my family members. Um, As a Christian, um, I was drawn to other people who said that they believed this Uh and actually lived it out. And so it was my youth pastor at the time, Steve Mm -hmm. Ginoble, another guy by the name of Ben Gonzalez, who really just poured into my life um, as a friend, but also to help me grow in my faith. And so because they did that to me, I saw the, the need for that to happen. And uh, that's why it's become a passion of mine over the years. Got it. So it's, you saw the value that it had for you. Sure. And appreciating that. Mm-hmm. But let, let's think about this, though. Let's go back in the past for a little bit. So okay. you had someone who took the interest in you. Right. And people say today that really that's what most people need. I mean, maybe you're out there right now and, and that's what you're looking for. Just someone who will take a personal interest in you. Um, If you find that person, we'd really want to encourage you uh, to go ahead and allow them in a little bit, you know, allow them to pour into your life. It'll be a blessing to them as well. Looking back on it though, let's say that it didn't go that way, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, you are the person you are today. A lot of the credit goes to that early start, that early interest. Let's say nobody did that. How do you see your life being different? Um, I probably wouldn't have gotten involved in church as much. Um, it was my friend Benji's mother who would come and pick me up to take me to church. Um, without that, I would have had no way to go to church. When I became a teenager, it was another friend of mine who had a car. Mm-hmm. He would drive all the way to my house, pick me up on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. We'd go hang out on Friday nights. His name is Robert Usher. And uh, without that, I, I don't know if I would have been involved or as involved. So this doesn't seem to some people when we listen to this, you're thinking, okay, what extraordinary mental powers did these people use? I mean, you're talking things as simple as wanting you to be there, so picking you up. Right, offering me a ride, uh, calling me to ask me if I was going, mm-hmm. and then providing a ride. And to be honest with you, there were times when I, I would tell them, no, I, I make up an excuse why I wasn't going, but they never gave up on me, which okay. I really appreciate looking back now. So if, if they let you get away with that, mm-hmm. and you didn't go once, and you didn't go twice, if they didn't take that personal concern, how easy would you have just slipped away? Well, I know I slipped away for about a year okay. of just not going. I think it was um, when I was 13, I gave my life to the Lord. And then when I was 14, I kind of just was like, eh, I'm not going to go. Mm-hmm. And then when I was 15, I started going back again. And then I rededicated my life at a summer camp. And uh, 
from that point, God continued to work in my life. doesn't mean I'm perfect, but he's continued to help me grow. So it's a personal, more, more than the actual maybe teachings itself, if I'm understanding you correct, it was more of the relationship, yeah. it was more of the personal concern, the, yeah. the love, the caring, uh, that's what actually drew you. Right? Yeah, I, I tell my youth pastor, I'm still friends with him all these years later, I tell him, I don't remember a single thing you taught me, uh-huh. let's be honest, I don't remember a single thing you taught me, but I remember how you loved me, mm-hmm. how you cared about me how you lived out your faith in front of us teenagers. And uh, to be honest, they were only seven years older than I was. So I was, right. I'm 15, 16, 17 years old, okay. and they're 20, 21, 22 years old, right. and they're living this out in front of me, showing me mm-hmm. uh, what, it, what it means to be a follower of Christ. That's pretty awesome. So I'm going to give a cheesy thing that's an old thing, but it comes to my mind now what you're thinking. Um, would you agree then that people don't necessarily know, care what you know until they see how much you care? Yeah, I, I still think that's a true statement to this day. Mm-hmm. I, always, I always say that. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't really care about what you know about the scripture or your church or, or who you think you are. They, they really want to know if you care about them. And right. do you love them like Jesus would love them? So tying into that, and this is kind of how I met you. Honestly, uh, I met you at a summer camp. Right. You were there. I wasn't even there for the whole week. I think I was there for one day. And everyone was talking about this guy, Pastor Abel. I don't think you were there the whole week either. But you had brought them out. I was there. I was there because I, the... I took my kids okay. to camp. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone's raving about this guy, Pastor Abel. I'm thinking, who is this guy? You know, and, and we meet. And I mean, not that you're not impressive, but I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay. Thanks. It's he's impressive, but not. I mean, the, the blow up that I'm getting, right. you know, the build up that I'm getting. But one thing that I could tell right off the bat was they just all loved you. I mean, they just had this relationship. It, it wasn't so much. I had no idea how you taught, how you did anything like sure. that. But there seemed to be a great connection. So, which I think is probably what makes you so strong in this area. Now, one of the things that you have done, even though you're a pastor of a church at this point, you've spent a lot of time with youth. Mm-hmm. Um, you've taught at Anaheim, what is it, Anaheim? Discovery, Discovery Christian, School. Christian School, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a school that's grown quite a bit over the years. Right. You've worked with a lot of ages, mm-hmm. especially teenagers, I've, I've seen. And um, you've even had several students, like foreign exchange students, you would consider them, right. correct? Mm-hmm. That have lived even with your family in your home. Sure. And you've been very close to them. So what is it that you see when you're working with youth? Not everybody can do that, okay? But, but God's given you a great gift to do that. So, so what are the keys? What are, what are some things that stand out in working with youth? Um, I started working with teenagers when I was 18 years old. I started as into the ministry as a youth pastor, and I was a youth pastor for 12 years of my life before I became a senior pastor. But um, one, of the, one of the keys of working with teenagers is just being there and being available. Like I said, with my youth pastor, I knew that he loved me and he cared about me. Uh, he loved me even though I wasn't perfect. Um, he, he modeled that for me. So 
with a teenager, they're going to spot you if you're fake. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you try to be honest, you try to be real with, with who you are. Um, you, you love them for who they are and they're not perfect either. So you got to be able to accept them for who they are. And one of the things that I always remembered is you, you never expect a person to act like a Christian unless they are a Christian. Right. right? So I don't put that on people. Okay. I, I want them to be themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be myself and I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Ultimately, it's up to you whether or not you're going to accept him into your life. But hopefully, I've lived it out in front of you. I just didn't tell you about it, but I lived it out in front of you. I think that's key. Um, And I I think I was just telling somebody this the other day. It doesn't matter your age. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be in your 60s and still work with teenagers and have a good influence. And you don't have to be as cool as them. You don't have to know all their music. You just have to love them. Right. Uh, Kids are longing for that. And uh, right. they need it. So that's so authenticity is what you're yeah, talking about. Absolutely. I, I like what you brought up there, which is key. I think a lot of people make this mistake. You're saying they may not be a believer. Mm-hmm. They may not have faith. Right. And obviously then the standards that they're going to have in their life, the habits, the different things that they do, their views, sure. are not necessarily going to be the same as you. You don't expect them to be the same. Right. Um, that's probably a very high expectation for someone who doesn't know that hasn't had that, um, that exposure and, and had God do that in their life. So, so in other words, you're kind of saying you're going to meet them where they are. Sure. Not necessarily going to sink to that level. Right. But then you're going to show them a difference by the quality of your life. Right. You know, um, you can't expect somebody to follow Jesus when they don't even know Jesus. Right. And so you love them for who they are. You don't have to agree with everything. You know, there's this idea in our society today, if you don't agree with me, you must hate me. But that's not true. Um, I can disagree with you and still love you. You know, you can disagree with me and still love me. And so there's that meeting in the middle of, of uh, me loving you regardless and you loving me back and, and just trying to share my faith with you. Um, yeah, you can't expect somebody to... to be a Christ follower when they're not. Exactly. So that kind of, you know, ties in. Maybe I want to address the audience just a little bit here because of the fact that when we first started these podcasts a few times ago, uh, it was mentioned in episode number one that you might be watching this podcast and you're not what we would consider to be a follower of Christ. Maybe this whole Bible thing, this whole thing about faith is something that possibly you're even skeptical, something you don't buy into at this point in your life. That is perfectly okay. Uh, You don't have to agree with us on everything. And you might even be saying, well, what is it that these people want from me? And actually, we don't want anything from you. What we do want is something for you. And we do believe that that Christ has made a difference in our life in such a way that we'd love to see the same thing happen for you. But meanwhile, we just want to tell you why he makes a difference in our life. And know that uh, we have a concern um, to show love to you because you're a very valuable person in the eyes of God. So going on with this, with the, the youth, let's talk about youth a little bit more. Okay. Because I, I brought in and mentioned to you about how you've had youth from different cultures. Mm-hmm. Okay, Have you noticed any significant like how, how, how much does culture play a factor? Obviously, kids are kids. 
and teens are teens to an extent, no matter where they're from. But how, how heavy does culture seem to uh, influence? Um, I think that culture influences us a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm from Southern California, so I brought up with the Southern California culture, you know, where you're friends with everybody, you know, you, you might look differently, and you're still, you're friends with everybody. But if you go to another culture, that you may not have that ex- same experience. Right. Um, I've had students from France and from uh, Vietnam and Korea and China and basically all over the world. And one of the things that I notice is that all of us have the same need as far as we need to be loved, mm-hmm. right? We want to be loved. We want to be uh, appreciated. We want people to know us. Um, but, but another thing is, is that sometimes people from different cultures stay within their culture and they have to be challenged and pushed a little bit to move out of that comfort zone. As far as faith is concerned, when you work with young people, especially from Asian countries, a lot of them are more concerned about what their parents think mm. rather than what they're dealing with and thinking. There's a high, high level of honor and respect given to parents. And unfortunately, we've kind of lost that here in the United States, but it still remains in other cultures. Um, let me give you an example. I had this one student, you know, they were in my class and I teach Bible at the school and uh, sharing about Christ and his love for us. And, and one of the things that they said was, I can't give my life to Jesus because that would be going against my parents. Mm. And uh, I totally understood that because I was brought up Catholic. Okay. And when I gave my life to Christ, my mom wasn't happy about it, mm. right? She felt like I had betrayed the faith that she had taught me. Mm. But uh, yeah, you, you have that same similarity regardless of the culture. Um, although some, you know, they come from different backgrounds. Some are Buddhist, some are atheist, some are mm-hmm. or, uh, a Catholic or whatever the faith is. It's different. And so I don't focus necessarily on you're a Buddhist, I'm not. I focus on this is who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. This is what he did. And I want to encourage you to investigate it and... Let's come to some sort of decision in your walk. So in other words, it doesn't matter what you want to call yourself. Let's just right. look at what God has revealed. Right. Right? Who is God and mm-hmm. what has he revealed? Okay. And because they come to a Christian school, I get to pr- teach them for what is the Christian God about. And, and we look at that and we kind of compare and contrast. Got it. So, so tying this in now, I'm thinking about this, this scenario and difference mm-hmm. of cultures because you're saying how in many of, of the cultures they're most concerned about what their parents think. Right. Then we come into this Americanized Western culture mm-hmm. and it seems that they're more worried about what their peers think or what the Instagram followers think or, sure. or you know, what, what's going on in social media. But in the same way, it's always about what someone else is thinking, right? More right. than Yeah. A lot of the teenagers from wherever they're from, they're all into Instagram or social media. Mm -hmm. They're posting pictures of themselves, what they're doing. It's very similar. Um, The the question that needs to be wrestled with is, what do you think about God and who is he? Right. And are you going to do anything with him in your life? So is there, there as far as how quickly cultures adapt, I'm just curious, because you've got... You've got a culture that's very, very concerned about what their parents are thinking, mm-hmm. 
but then they start getting exposed to the westernized culture and all the social media and all those type of things. Does it start to switch and cause attention or do they pretty much stay grounded with what they were brought up with? From the ones that I've um, taught over the last 11 years and have had in my own home, um, people usually are holding on to their traditions where they come from. Um, they're growing a little bit. You know, one of the reasons why parents are sending their kids to the United States to learn is in their country, they, they teach them and they're expected to listen and mm. obey. Okay. Whereas in the United States, we teach them and we ask them to think and to say, okay, well, what do you think about this? So for some of our students, that's a new concept of having to to wrestle with what do they think about it rather than me just telling them what to think. Mm. And so I think that's, that benefits us as far as God is concerned because, you know, we want people to think, you know, um, like you mentioned earlier, you don't have to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You can have a bunch of questions and that's perfectly fine. Sure. But, but what I always tell my students is what's not fine is for you to not explore and figure out the answer to your question. So it's the difference between what do you think versus this is what you are to think. Right. Right. Yeah, I've seen that in some countries. Interesting. Definitely a difference. Mm-hmm. Let's move on now to the adult range. So, okay. So obviously neither one of us, we're, we're somewhat, I'm a little older than you, but we're somewhat in the same <laughs> range. Right. And the generations now are different. I mean, mm-hmm. things are changing. We go into the adult range and we see a crisis among many adults, that's a little confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, basic life coping skills right. seem to be more and more of a challenge. We've got more people in therapy and counseling than we remember when we were right. younger. We've got more people on some types of medication, antidepressants, um, lots of things. And in some cases, there's medical reasons, obviously, why those are given. Sure. But it seems to be a startling increase. Um, as you're working with adults, which you do well as also, mm-hmm. are you noticing changes? And you have any insight as to what's going on? Is it just missing the God component, or, or what's going on? Well, you got to think about the generations who have come before us, right? Mm-hmm. Our grandparents. For me, I had older parents, so they came from a really strong worth work ethic generation, right? The mm-hmm. greatest generation. And one of the things that we see is that that generation really learned to depend on God. You know, if you think about our churches today, those are the people who actually tithe and support the church because Mm -hmm. they've had it ingrained in them that they're going to do that. And then their children come along and those are the baby boomers. Right. Right. And so now you have the baby boomers who are exploding in growth and uh, what has become their God, basically. Well, for a lot of generations that grew up in the 60s and 70s, they were against authority and against work and all that other stuff. But then they turned it around and became uh, the yuppies, the yuppie generation, and they started making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so money became their God and and the thing that they held on to. And what happened was they developed a generation of latchkey kids. Yes. Remember? Right. Uh, generation X, 
Mm -hmm. uh, that was my generation in, in which a lot of kids grew up without parents there at their house when they went home afterwards. And what happened? Work became more important than church. Mm -hmm. And then uh, not only work, but when, now that you have a day off, let's go do something fun rather than go to church as opposed to that saying that's not really fun. I think church should be fun. You know, and I think that our uh, parents uh, must model that, right? We take, them to, we take them to sports, we take them to gymnastics, we take them to all their events that they're going to, right. and we pour in all of this effort into that, and we fail to pour into them spiritually. Mm -hmm. And so now we have this generation that, that's not really growing in their faith, they're not learning because they're at sports all the time. When I was a kid, we didn't have sports on Sunday, right? Right. I didn't go to church on Sunday, but, but uh, because I wasn't brought up in church. Right. But now that we have all these other options, especially here in Southern California, you can go anywhere and it's open. And uh, so you can go and do whatever you want and ignore God. And so we've seen all that. And then another thing that we've seen is the brokenness of the family. Right. right? We, we've seen divorce just go crazy over the last uh, 20 years, mm -hmm. right? Uh, they are saying 60% of couples are now ending in divorce. Mm -hmm. And uh, so with that much divorce, you have kids growing up in unstable relationships. And, you know, um, sometimes parents don't know how to deal with that. And so they pit one parent against the other parent, the sure. kids in the middle. So, you know, over that time, we see a move away from God. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now. We're in a generation that not only doesn't know God, they don't even know who they are themselves. I had this discussion with you. They don't even know if they're male or female anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't know what their role is in this world. What does it mean to be a man or what does it mean to be a woman? Nobody's mm -hmm. talking about that anymore. Right. Uh, what does it mean to date and what kind of person should I be? You know, mm -hmm. should I be kind? We, we seem to have forgotten those things. Um, so those are all things that as a church we wrestle with and we try to encourage in our congregations. So it seems to me from what you're saying and the answer you're given is that people are struggling because one of the biggest basic human needs that we have is not there. And that's certainty. Right. Uh, everything is uncertain. Everything's up in the air. You know, they go like you were mentioning and they, they pour into the weekends and they go and they participate in all these leagues and these sports. Right. And then they get to be, they graduate high school. And except for the few that get to go and play college sports in college. Right. And, and then even less that would go further than that. Now what? Everything that's been a part of your life all these years, suddenly yeah. you're an adult and now you don't know what to do except maybe watch others do it. Right. And um, that, the family's uncertain, money is uncertain, mm -hmm. trying to keep up with all the materialistic things, right. but, but now we're going into debt because we can't keep up with it. Um, and on and on. And then you throw stress. a pandemic in the middle of that, and it's like, what do we do now? That's definitely... None of us have ever went through anything like this, right. so we're trying to figure it out. And, and what are we seeing? Problems in the home. Mm -hmm. um, suicide rate was on the rise. Right. Uh, people don't know who they are. Uh, again, um, where does God fit into this little mm -hmm. hope? Right. So they have nothing to live for. And so... Um, you know, 
part of my church's uh, purpose is to provide hope to this generation sure. and introduce them to Jesus Christ. And so, um, yeah, I think people have lost their way, but that doesn't mean that we can't get back to it. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, you've got people that you're mentioning the pandemic so maybe you're listening to this and pre-pandemic, one of the things you did to fill your life was you stayed as busy as you possibly could. And then suddenly you were told to stay home. You were told, don't go here, don't go there, you can't go in here. You can't even show your face. You can't even see other people's faces because there's masks on. Everything is going, it becomes a crazy world. So this uncertainty that's possibly taking place in your life where things are beyond your control we just want you to know that there is an answer. There is something that can be counted on, and that's God himself. So I, I heard this recently, and I don't know if you've ever given this thought, that if you're trying to mentor somebody and try to teach somebody, and you're trying to figure out what lessons you need to pour into their life, what would be the most valuable, sometimes the greatest way to figure that out is just to think back in your own life. Okay. Think when you were 18, 20 years old, and so let's do that for a second. Let's say that right now, right behind me, we jumped into a time machine and you went back. I won't say how many years, okay? But you, you went back and you found yourself at 20 years old. Okay. Abel Galvan, 20 years old. And you step into him. What does that guy need to know that you know now that you think would be some of the most valuable lessons you've learned that you would want to pour into him? Um... I think one of them would be don't be afraid to follow God in his okay. leading, in his direction. Um, as an 18-year-old, I started work, working in the church. But as I became 21 years old, I gave my life to serve in ministry for the rest of my life. So I would tell myself, you know, this, this is going to happen. Don't be afraid to, re to do that. Another thing I would tell myself is, um, don't feel like you don't have anything to offer mm. because you do. All of us have something to offer. We're all gifted in different areas. And so however God has gifted you, you can use that to be a blessing to somebody else, to help somebody else. You know, um, another thing is to not um, put myself down. You know, mm. when I was, I was younger, I was very shy as an individual and, um, I didn't see very much worth in myself mm. until I grew a little bit older. And so I would probably tell myself, hey, uh, don't focus on what you're not. Focus on what you are and develop those areas. Mm. Okay. You know, um, you can't be everything to everybody, but you can be the best at what you're good at. So I would say something like that. And then I tell myself, don't be afraid of girls. <laughs> because go. honestly, you know, until I was about 25 years old, I didn't know how to relate to the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. And uh, I see that as worse today because honestly, all you have to do is text somebody. Sure. Today. When we were younger, we had to actually walk across a room and ask somebody out. And that was more difficult. Right. So, um, you know, I would tell myself to not focus on my phone as much. Focus on relationships. You know, focus on developing relationships, you know, learning how to relate to other people. And, uh, and it's not just about you, but how do we relate to one another? So. You bring up the phone, which is a great point, because, it, you know, remember back in the time when the only way 
if we wondered, you know, as far as what somebody was doing or whatever, we had to actually wait to see them to find out. Sure. Right? And now everything is just like an instant, you know, a text or a like or a dislike. And, right. and, and, and so much is flooding right into our hands. And often we're also hiding behind the electronic device. We right. don't have to make that approach. So, so for instance, I mean, you've been married now how many years? You have a great, 23. Yeah, 23 years. You have a, a great wife, a great relationship. Um, you know, you, obviously when you first got together, you didn't text her. Right, there was no phones. Right? <laughs> so, so it was a difference. Right. And, and you guys, you know, learned to communicate, uh, which has been, I'm sure, a key component Right, of staying together, all and and what I see with a lot of these young people, they don't know how to communicate. They don't even like to talk on the phone. They prefer to text each other or message each other sure. using Snapchat, Instagram, or whatever else. Even in being in the same room. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, sitting at the same table, you could text somebody right next to you. This is what I want for dinner or whatever. It's like put that dumb phone away. Let's actually talk. So, do you ever get texts? I get texts like this all the time. I'll get it from someone out of the house, usually my son or something like that, regarding someone who's in the house with me. Okay. Okay. And it'll be, hey, check with, I won't say the name, right. check with so-and-so because they want to do, and I'm, I'm responding, well, they haven't said anything to me. Well, they're afraid to ask you. Right. So they yeah, text yeah, yeah. them, and then they get texted, and it's just circumventing. It's like, can we just talk, please? It's kind of you like know? in junior high when you would tell your friends, could you go ask her if she likes me? Right. Right. We can't talk. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that happens. I texted my son yesterday, the bathroom's free now. <laughs> right, <it's laughs> because sitting, he was in a different part of the, the house. I didn't want to go over there. So you admit we get a little lazy at yeah, times yeah, as yeah. well <laughs> also, right? We all get lazy. Definitely. So when it comes to training, mentoring, discipleship, um, I know you're trying to do it in your church. You're trying to do it in ministries. You try to do it with young people. There is a component, though, where there's a pressure on us, isn't there? Because in order to keep teaching, we need to keep growing ourselves, right? We need sure. to keep learning. Uh, we can't take someone further than we've been ourselves. So right. um, even though we're to mentor, we're also to find a way to be mentored. So mm -hmm. how do you do that? What, mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you do to keep growing? Um, I try to listen to people who are more experienced than me okay. in, in different areas, whether that's leadership or discipleship or pastoring. I try to learn from other people. There's this saying out there that says, um, the moment you stop learning is the moment you stop leading. Okay. And so you always have to be growing. No matter what age you are, you have to be growing in your field of expertise Somebody's always after you or behind you. And so you got to be able to keep moving and growing. Um, one of the things that, that we need to remember is you don't have to be way out in front of people to lead them. Mm -hmm. You just need to be a couple feet in front of them. And right. so is, if you're studying, if you're learning, if you're growing, you can absolutely mentor somebody who's not at the place you're at. Right. And so sometimes we think we have to be super strong, Jesus, junior Christian. And that's not the truth. You just need to be a little bit ahead of somebody else, develop a relationship and, you know, hold each other accountable. But to be honest, that only works if you want it. Right. I can lie to you and tell you everything's great. But if I want accountability, I got to be honest with somebody. Right. 
So I, I try to learn from other people, try to stay in the word. Um, before I preach, I want to make sure that I'm dealing with it. And, uh, you know, that's always hard because you got to put the mirror to your face and say, how are you doing in this area right. before you teach this on Sunday? Now, now, would you say, I mean, the word disciple obviously is an imitator of one's teacher. Okay. Okay. So the original disciples were those who imitated Christ as the right. ultimate teacher, right? And when we're talking about discipling or mentoring now, there should be this imitation, like Paul in scripture says, you know, as I follow Christ, be an imitator of me as I'm being an imitator of him, right? Mm -hmm. So this is where I think humility comes in, in the mentoring process, the discipling process, because would you agree, you know, some people say, well, I, I imparted something into you and, oh, that, that was mine. That's not original to you. That was mine. You stole that from me. Mm. Isn't, isn't the greatest satisfaction of a mentor a discipler when they see their stuff literally ripped off I guess in a sense or modeled and repeated what they've learned they say that's the highest form of flattery when somebody <laughs> takes what you got and use it right um I was reading an article the other day about you know you shouldn't borrow somebody's message or information mm -hmm. and preach it as your own that's plagiarism. And, and my only thought was, we've learned from everybody, right? Right. No one person has all the information. You've mm -hmm. got to be able to grow from somebody else. You're never going to get better than, than yourself if you don't learn from somebody who's been where you want to go. Right. Right. And so as a pastor, I want to learn from people whose churches are bigger than mine. They're doing stuff that I'd like to do. Sure. Um, right. Uh, I've learned from you and how you set up stuff here at the church. Mm -hmm. You learn from me and how we do things differently. Absolutely. Why? Because we talk about it. There's right. a relationship there. Um, I'm not trying to outdo you. You're not trying to outdo me. We're just trying to help each other to right. be better. Right. You know, and so whenever you're mentoring somebody, there has to be that relationship. And uh, ultimately, our goal is to follow Christ. But the Apostle Paul said, look, look at me, follow me as I'm following Christ. So he was like, look at my life, see what I'm doing. And can you learn anything from it? Which we absolutely can. Absolutely. So have you ever had this where you, you, you've taught Bible class for how many years now? Um, Bible class at the school level for 11 years. Okay. So have you ever had a situation where you saw a student, either current or past, explain a concept to someone else? You hear them explaining it, and it's almost word for word the way you taught them? Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> Isn't it? it? It helps me to realize that I actually did something. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> wow, they actually listen. And they may not even realize right. that they are almost direct quoting you. Right. Okay. But then the crazy thing about it is we can get all excited about that for a moment until we realize that the direct quote that they're doing from us, we actually got from someone else. Right? Sure. Because we, it was, it was taught to us. So, so that's kind of the, the big circle and how things get, get passed on uh, to others. So thinking about this now, we were just having a discussion before we did this. So if, if we look full, by the way, it's because we had a very nice <laughs> lunch at, at Norm's. By the way, I had a salad, just for the record. I, I want that to... <laughs> I had a sandwich. Yes, so. it, it was a club sandwich, which is fairly healthy. So we both, were, right. we both were pretty good. <laughs> um, 
But one of the things that we were talking as, you know, as life changes over time, uh, goals change, purposes change. And so let's think about that right now. I, I know we're both still exploring this right now. Mm-hmm. But what are some senses maybe that God is putting in your heart of the direction, some type of push, something that he wants to take your gifts and experiences up to this point in your life and do? Yeah, for me, um, it's I, I love discipleship and helping people grow in their faith. So one of the things that I'm noticing as we're coming out of this pandemic is people are holding back in their relationship with God. So I was telling Jay, you know, it's always fun when you see somebody at the beach or at Disneyland or wherever they're at, but they can't make it to church on Sunday. I'm like, what the heck, right? Right. You know, uh, why aren't you growing? Why aren't you at church? And so one of the things that God's dealing with me about is how do I reach out to people? Uh, How do I reach new people who are afraid to come out to church? You know, we started online ministries, doing different things like that. But uh, our ultimate goal is to see people in community with one another as the church, right? You can't love one another. You can't serve one another. You can't pray for one another. There's so many different one another's in the Bible. You can't do that unless you're around people to do that with. And so God has put it on my heart to see people grow. And so I would like to see people grow in their faith. So I'm struggling with how do I help them? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I can't make them grow in their faith. You're going to grow in your faith if you want to. If you don't want to, I can't make you, right? Mm-hmm. I could pray for you. I could tell you you should do this or be in a study or whatever. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's up to you. And I can only grow myself. Um, and so I try to grow myself and encourage other people to grow. If they don't want that, I can't force it. But I can find some people who want to grow and help those people to grow in their faith. Absolutely. So using your strengths, using uh, what it is you, you mentioned just a few minutes ago uh, earlier in this conversation about not yeah, everybody's don't try to be good at everything. Yeah. So we're not necessarily yeah. created. We have specific gifts mm-hmm. and talents that God has given. He was you were mentioning the, the podcast and you were taking a look at it. This like what we're going to do today. And thinking to yourself, although I'm sure you're perfectly capable of doing it, you were thinking to yourself, that's just not really me. That's not right. really. And yet you're bringing up this more of the reaching out, to whether it's pastors or other people and everything, which I think to myself, I can technically do that, but that's not really my strength either. So right. we're, we're all created with different strengths right. to try to maybe engulf, they would call it, the thing that I never hit, which is the sweet spot, right? Sure. Where, where when it, the, the right spot hits the ball the right way, right. it just works, right. right? And that's how it should be in our lives. I played baseball. I coached baseball. You can't put everybody at every position because they're not mm-hmm. as good in that position. Right. And so over the years, I've uh, adapted this idea of finding your shape in ministry. Mm-hmm. God's given you a spiritual gift. Sure. Find out what it is, right? If you don't know, ask somebody to help you figure that out. He's given you a different heart for something. You're more, you have a heart for things that I don't have a heart for. And I have a heart for things that you don't have a heart for. And that's okay. 
You know, we're supposed to work together. I'm not again. I'm not uh, we're not competing. Right. We work together, especially in a church setting. So we have a heart and passion for something. We have different abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, we have different personalities. Right. Um, I don't know if you would know this about me, but I always tell my my church I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert. And I said, one of the things that I have to do as a pastor is learn how to become an extrovert. And honestly, when God calls you to do something, he equips you to do that. And so he can use your personality, no matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert, he can use it in different ways to help people to serve and grow. And then your experiences, right? We come from different backgrounds. There are people who are more equipped to help other people than I am. You know, who better to help somebody with an alcohol or drug problem than somebody who's had that experience and that they've, God has called them out of that, how that person could help somebody like that. So I I wouldn't be able to relate to that, but that person would do a much better job. So God uses Mm -hmm. our shape to grow us and to move us towards what he wants to do in our life. Sure. And all that's part of discipleship, growing and discovering who you are and who you're meant to be. Now, I hope you just picked up on what he just said because he just gave you something very golden right there. And that's that your mess in life can become a miracle to someone else. Something that you have gone through that maybe was a mess. And then God takes you through it, grows you through it, and now you have the gift and the ability to be able to bring somebody else out from where you were, where somebody else that has not gone through that uh, would not have that same opportunity. So you can definitely find your purpose. You can definitely find value, even out of the messes and some of the things that possibly didn't go the way you originally designed them. Right. God, the scripture says that God can use all of our, our things for his purpose, right. right? In order for us to grow and to help other people grow. And so, yeah, he could take our good, our bad, and ugly experiences and mm-hmm. use those to help other people. Super stuff. Now, now think about this. You like ice cream, right? I'm assuming. Of course. Right. Now, do you eat your ice cream with a knife? Uh, no. Not usually, right? <laughs> yeah. We don't eat our ice cream with a knife. Now, it's not that you can't eat ice cream with right. a knife, but it's much better with a spoon. A spoon's much better equipped to do that, even than a fork as well, right? Sure. And so that's, I think, what you're touching on. And that is, let's find the shape. What is the shape made for? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it best optimized for? Right. And let's try to step into that area. Right. And I'm not supposed to be you. And you're right. not supposed to be me. And you're not supposed to be us. We're supposed to be who God's called us to be. Mm-hmm. So we figure that out over time. And then we use what God has given us to help other people. Right. Ultimately, we want to give glory to God in, in who we, how we're serving and what we're doing with our life. And so, you know, God shaped us all differently to get accomplished what he wants done in the world. Right. And when we're together, that makes it even better. Absolutely. And by the way, we are both introverts, just so you know, even though we're on <laughs> camera and we're talking to you right now. But we're just seeing a camera and we're imagining you out there. Right. So it's a lot easier than if you're face to face with us at the particular moment. But let's face it. An introvert is often best reached and encouraged by another introvert right. because an extrovert's just too over the top right. for them, right? So, you know, if I go to a party, you're going to find me on a couch somewhere sitting with one or two people. That's exactly. It. I don't need to go work the room at exactly. a party. That's, that's, for me, that's <laughs> called a nightmare, going and working the room, right? right? So I totally get that. 
All right. Well, let's get to one final question here. Okay. Uh, and this one's a little bit unusual. Okay. All right. But I'm going to throw this one at you. Not that anything crazy is going to happen, but, but let's just imagine. Let's imagine that this is our last and final day. Okay, this is our last and final opportunity. You have an opportunity to speak to someone and pour into their life what you think would be the most important couple of things for them to know. I mean, we already did this with your 20-year-old self, but now we're talking older, okay. someone more like you. You're not going to have time to talk with them tomorrow. This, this is going to be it. Okay, I kind of, when I think of this question, I kind of think of when I look in the Bible and Jesus is about to go up to heaven and, and it's like, wow, what he's going to tell him right now must be really important because this is the last thing he's going to say for a while, right? Right. So if you have that opportunity, not knowing exactly who you're talking to, just what is God laying upon your heart right now that you would want them to know? Uh, don't be afraid to give your life to Christ. Don't, don't be worried about he's going to make you some weirdo or, or something that's odd. You know, um, God is going to continue to grow you into the person he wants. But don't be afraid to do that. And, and one of the things that I see is a lot of people are afraid to fully commit their life to Christ. You know, they commit to everything else but to Christ. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Um, don't think you have to be perfect because nobody's perfect. I love one of my favorite verses in the Bible is from Proverbs. It says something like this, that a righteous man will fall seven times in a day, but he gets back up. And I love that because even though I blow it regularly, I still get back up. I, I've told my church this, that one of the things I hope you always remember about me and what you say about me when I'm gone is that at least he tried. Hmm. At least he tried to live for the Lord. At least he tried to be a good pastor, a good parent, a good spouse. Uh, and so you give it your best shot and you let God work in your life. You don't have to do this alone. And I love the verse where it says that those who believe in me will never be disappointed. And I can honestly tell you as a Christian uh, since I was 13 years old um, that God has never let me down. I've let him down many times, but he's never let me down. He's never disappointed me. And so I want to just tell you, don't be afraid to give your life to Christ. Don't be afraid to take steps to grow in your faith. You have to take those steps, though, because it ain't going to happen just by you doing nothing. You have to grow in your faith. You have to read the Bible. You have to learn how to pray. You have to learn how to serve and, and to grow and share your faith. Right? That, that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so... Do your best you can. You trust God with the results. And uh, yeah, you live out your best life for him. I would say that that is some awesome advice. In fact, going along with what he said, not being afraid to give your life to Christ, I would tell you that if you should be afraid of anything, it would be to not give that life to Christ. Because you'll lose out quite possibly and might be losing out right now on the very reasons that he made you and created you to begin with. And that's possibly why you're having some struggles in your life. God wants you to have the opportunity to step into that. Uh, as we conclude, first of all, I just want to thank you for spending the time uh, today. Uh, I think it's been a great time. I'm sure it's going to be valuable to many people that are out there. And if you're watching this, we encourage you, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Share it with others. If you were blessed and found value in what we shared today, share it and send it to a few people that you think might also be encouraged and have their lives touched as well. Thank you so much for joining us. This was the Audacious Faith 
podcast. God bless. God bless.